Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Can I just take a second to tell you how powerful the name of Jesus is? My boss, uh, I, I think I told this um, testimony in, uh, in um, Spirit Life class, but my boss, I would classify him as a, as a God-fearing man. He's a godly man. He was at, uh, his son plays um, AAU basketball, which is, uh, goes on outside of school. Um, and really, his son is amazing, already getting college looks, and he's a sophomore. Um, so he, they were at an AAU event, a, a basketball game, and uh, it was the, they were out of town. I can't remember where they were, um, Chicago area, one of the suburbs in Chicago. The, the gym was really hot. It was before it had cooled off and turned back to spring, so it was still that hot spell we got right at the beginning of summer. Um, he, he said it, was, it felt like it was around 80 degrees in that gym. It was just hot. So they were playing basketball, and one of, um, uh, one of the teammates was fouled, so he was getting ready to take his free throw shots. Uh, and keep in mind, these are like 15, 16-year-old kids playing basketball. Um, the young man, it wasn't, uh, thank you very much, it wasn't my boss's son, but it was one of the teammates, and the young man steps up to the free throw line, and he's getting ready, you know, he's getting ready to shoot his two free throws. And the, the ref tosses him the ball. The kid catches the ball and fell on his face in the middle of the gym. Just like nobody knew what happened. He just fell over. He collapsed. They get over to him. Everybody clears out the gym. They, they, uh, they get over to him to see what's happening. This kid is not breathing. And it, again, 15, 16 years old. Uh, they start, they grab the defibrillator. And they're getting ready to shock this guy. And my, my manager says, Jesus, if you can just show everyone in this auditorium your power and your might. And he said, in Jesus' name. And they, they shocked the kid and nothing happened. And he said it again, in Jesus' name. And the kid started breathing again. He woke up like he was... Like they're like literally coming back to life, gasping for breath. Nobody knew what happened. The kid went to the hospital. They they don't know what happened, but this this young man was on his face, not breathing for seven minutes. And my manager said, in Jesus' name. And that boy started breathing again. Can I just, I, I don't know if you truly understand how powerful our God is. Our God is the only being in the universe that can breathe life back into a dead body. He is the only being in the universe that can form a man from clay at the beginning of time and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And do you know that same spirit, that resurrection power is in you today if you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. The Bible says the resurrection power that brought Jesus back from the dead is living in you. The Spirit of God is so powerful. 
That was such an amazing testimony. He told me that it, I, got, I got into work. This was after we came back on vacation. And he said, bro, I got to tell you something. I experienced a miracle this weekend. And he was so excited and his faith just boosted. So I want, I want to just encourage you that if you ever feel like you're in a moment that seems so dead and so desolate, there is safety in the name of Jesus and there is power in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. I hope that was okay. I, I just feel, I just feel so strongly about that this morning and, and, and I feel really strongly about what I know the Lord spoke to me about. So I wanna turn your attention to Matthew 7, 24 through 29. You can stand if you want. If not, you can stay seated. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. This is Jesus speaking. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, or everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority not as the scribes. So I, I, I just want to talk to you a little bit. We're, we're going through this journey of a disciple series and I really felt like the Lord spoke to me very strongly about seeking shelter. So if we could all just bow our heads and close our eyes and just pray that God would minister in the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that your perfect will would be done. We give you honor and glory today. Jesus, I ask that your word would go forth, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to receive your word and to apply it to our lives, Jesus. God, give us wisdom and knowledge today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So, has everybody been enjoying this series, The Journey of a Disciple? I love it. I love it. We've been talking about it in life group. We've been talking about it here on Sundays. It's such an amazing thing um, because it's true. Sorry, throat dries out when you're, you know, when you're talking. And I talk a lot, so that happens a lot. Uh, I promise I won't be very long today. I know I say that probably every time, but uh, I don't, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of notes because it's a very simple message, but I hope it's impactful. I hope it's powerful to you. Because anytime you, you speak the word of God, we, we touched on this in spirit life classes. Anytime you speak the word of God, right? We call it the word of God for a reason. It's literally came from the mouth of God. So first off, if you don't think God talks to you, you don't read your Bible enough. That's the truth. Because every time you open the word of God, it is God speaking directly to you. If you, if you don't feel like you've ever heard an audible voice of God, that's fine. Read the Bible because that is God talking to you. So 
when it comes to the word of God, when you look in Genesis chapter one, when God, what did he do? He formed everything, but how did he form it? He spoke, yes, the words of his mouth. So when you begin to speak the word of God over whatever situation you're in, when you begin to speak the word of God, when you're praying, when, you know, it doesn't matter, but when you begin to speak the word of God, there's creative power that goes forth. You can literally speak things into existence that weren't once there. When you have fear, you speak the word of God. You can uh, dive into scripture. We talked about some of them in spirit life class, but you can dive into scripture. And when you begin to speak the, the, the scripture, courage and boldness and, and, and uh, faith begins to rise up in your life and it dispels fear. So the word is creative. So anytime you speak the word of God, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this because I don't have a whole lot of notes, but anytime you speak the word of God, it doesn't return void. The, in Isaiah, when it says that it doesn't return void, it talks, it likens the word of God to two different things, rain and snow. And I think brother Ryan Neer said this one time and it just stuck with me, is that the word of God will either water right away as, as, as rain waters uh, the grass and the plants and whatever, or it's like snow where it'll sit on the surface for a little bit and eventually melt and sink in. That's, that's how the word of God operates. That's why it doesn't return void. So maybe this word is for you today and it's like rain from the Lord that just waters your soul and your heart and gives you strength and courage. Or maybe it's like snow. You don't feel like you're going through anything right now, but when you do go through it, you'll be able to go back to the word and then it will sink in. So um, that, was, uh, that was free. That's what, that's what preachers say when, they're, when they say something that's not in their notes and they're trying to get back on track. So the journey of a disciple. This series has probably been one of my favorites because I can relate to it. You know, like we always try and do that. We, you know, we, the Bible is relevant. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through. The Bible is relevant today, just like it was way back at the beginning of time. It's relevant. So the journey of a disciple is very closely related to going on, I would say, like a backpacking journey or a hike or, you know, uh, whatever you want to liken it to. But I would consider our family kind of outdoorsy. Okay, that's, that's why I can relate to this. Rob, I love your suit, by the way. Everybody's got to get a look at Rob's suit before you leave. <laughs> it, you're right, it was mine. <laughs> so I would consider my family an outdoorsy family. Is it okay if I come off platform? Those, those lights blind me. Um, so... We, we, go on, we go on hiking trips. We go camping a lot. You know, we, we try and spend as much time outside as possible, except for yesterday. They invited us to the lake, and I'm like, it is too hot outside for me to be out there. It was, you know what? Yesterday, it was so hot. So I remember growing up. Let me just give you a little story real quick. I remember growing up, my dad would get so mad when we would roll the car windows down in the summer. He would get furious because where I grew up, Mississippi, it's 90 to 100 degrees all summer, and the humidity's at like 85% or more all the time. It feels like you live in a swamp when you don't. But he would get so mad, and he would say, it is too hot to roll those windows down. We're turning the AC on. It was like one of those days yesterday. Um, but I do, uh, I really enjoy being outside. We actually went to the Smoky Mountains just recently, um, a couple weeks ago, and we did a lot of hiking. Um, it was beautiful. And you know, the thing that... Um, that amazes me about this analogy, right? Has, who all has been on a hike? 
Okay, M most of us, right? So, so most of us can relate. When you're going on a hike, you have a destination in mind, right? Which our destination should be heaven, right? We're excited to get to heaven, right? So uh, we have a destination in mind, and we have some terrain that we have to traverse. Sometimes it's not the easiest. Sometimes it's a little more uphill than you like it to be. Sometimes there's a little more rocks than you like it to be. But we still have to stick to the trail because one th the number one rule when you're backpacking or you're hiking is do not deviate too far from the trail. When you do, that's when you get lost. That's when you get turned around. That's when you can't find the trail again. That happens in our spiritual life when we deviate too much from the trail. I think, um, Sister Calhoun, what you were saying in spirit life class this morning, um, uh, uh, Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff comfort me, right? So Sister Calhoun expounded on that um, this morning just a little bit, and I really, really enjoyed it. So um, everybody knows that scripture, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me right? That Psalm, Psalm 23. So there's a, there's a principle behind the rod and the staff, right? They were both used to keep the sheep on track, okay? They were used for protection so the, she so the, the shepherd can uh, protect from any kind of oncoming threats, but also uh, it, it was used, they had a, the staff that had the big hook on it, so if, if a, um, a sheep strayed too far or fell out of reach, he would scoop them back up and put them back on the trail, right? How beautiful of an example is that with our Lord and Savior where we can be on the track, be on the right, the right path, but you know what? Sometimes we do deviate a little bit. Sheep tend to do that. If you didn't, it, you should really, you know, sheep, it's, it's interesting. When you study it out, there's a reason why the Bible calls us sheep so many times because they tend to stray they tend to kind of wander off. They do their own thing. They're like, eh, going this way when everybody else is going that way, you know. But the, how gracious the Lord is to just kind of gently put us back on track. We need that because in our spiritual life, just like hiking, if we get too far off track, we won't be able to find the way back. And we're going to be lost in the woods, given to our own devices. We got to provide for ourselves. We got to make sure we're safe, like blah, 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 whatever. Did, you know, you can't do that spiritually. You can't provide for yourself spiritually. You can't, without God, you can't provide for yourself spiritually. You can't protect yourself spiritually. We will fail. So, how gracious the Lord is. Do you know what uh, the number one cause of outdoor related deaths is? Or not the number one, I shouldn't say number one. One of the top main causes. Under preparation is the number one. What was that? Exposure. Exposure was right up there with under preparation. And actually, there was a lady, I took this quote because I really liked it. According to Vicki Parker, she's a researcher for Backpacker Magazine. She's been on thousands of backpacking trips and she, you know, it's crazy. She said, you can boil all of the deaths, not all of them, most of the deaths that occur in the backwoods down to three things, lack of knowledge, lack of experience, and poor decisions. Think about that spiritually. When you have a lack of knowledge of who the God is that you serve, there's a problem. When we have a lack of experience with our Lord and Savior, there's a problem. And when we make poor decisions because we don't know the statutes that are laid out in the Bible the way we should live, there's a problem. So these, these three items make total sense, even when you think about them spiritually. So 
Uh, does anybody know the five basic needs for survival? Shelter, food, water, oxygen, yep. and one more. Fire is actually not on the list, believe it or not. Sleep. Sleep, five things. Oxygen, food, water, sleep, and shelter. Today I want to talk to you about shelter. Has anybody ever... Uh, has anybody ever built a structure before? I mean, with your bare hands. I want to see a show of hands. Anything. It could be anything from like a lean-to to a, you know, a house, whatever. A fortress. It could be anything. Okay. Okay, so we have some people who've done this before. I have a story. <laughs> a funny story. I hope it's funny to you because it's hilarious to me. Building a shelter. It's a little bit harder than it looks. Okay, so my, my brother and I and our best friend Justin, when we were in high school, well, I think I was probably a senior in high school. My little brother was in eighth grade. Um, we got the bright idea. So we lived on this big farmhouse. Like it had a, 180 acres of just farmland and everything. And there was a little creek that ran through um, the front of the property. It was actually the side yard, the way that the house was set up, but it ran through... And there was um, like a little clearing there that was pretty awesome for like putting a fire pit up and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. So we got the idea one day. We're like, hey, let's build a little, like a little house type thing. We did not know what we were doing. Not at all. I'll just preface it right now. We had, we had never had any experience in building anything we had never built a house. We're like, hey, a house is basically a square with a roof and walls. How hard can it be? It's a lot harder than it looks, okay? So we, we dug four holes in the ground for like four corners of the wall, and we got these um, logs that were about like this big. We stuck them down. They were probably like eight, nine feet tall. So we stuck them down in the hole and filled the hole in with dirt again and packed it all down. So we had these four beams sticking straight up. We're like, you know, it would be a nice roof. Let's just go buy a tarp from, from Walmart. So we went and bought a $20 tarp, and we took a bigger stick and put it up in the middle so it made like a teepee type thing because, you know, you don't want rain to catch in there. So we did that, and then we, we had this whole idea of how to build walls, okay? So we're like, you know what? We'll just put, we'll just put sticks in the ground kind of like we did with the four corners, and we'll put them like in almost like... Um, almost like a, like a zigzag pattern, and then just stack sticks in it, okay? And then, like, fill it with mud or whatever, which sounds like a good idea until you try and do it, and you're like, you know what? This is too hard. Let's just go buy three more tarps and just use tarps as walls, okay? So, so we went back to Walmart, bought three more $20 tarps. We worked part-time. We were sinking all our money into this thing. So <laughs> we, we bought these tarps, and we put it up, and you know what? It looked pretty good. We're like, hey, this, this is livable. We could, let's get a bed out here. Let's live out here. So we thought it looked good until the first storm came. I you know what we made? We didn't make a house. We made a big kite. That's what we made. A huge kite that literally it, it caught the wind and all the tarps went out like this, ripped the posts out of the ground, flew up in the sky, and... You know, we go out there the next day just to check on it, and it's like strewn over like 200 feet, just debris of t 
tarps and sticks and all kinds of crazy stuff. So we went round two, and we're thinking, you know what, we're going to make this better. So we dug the holes again. And we, yeah, exactly. It felt like we were the three little pigs and the wolf is blowing the house down. So we were like, you know what? We're going to do this right this time. So I don't know who thought of this, but we thought to dig the holes a little bit bigger, stick the posts in and then get a bunch of rocks and like put the rocks in so the posts don't move as much. It really didn't help all that much. And we still, we still use the tarps, but we didn't like attach them directly to the wall. We kind of did like a, uh, I don't know, like almost like a lean-to. It looks like a lean-to. So the tarp came out this way instead of just flush with the wall. So we thought, okay, this is going to be better. Let more air in, you know, whatever. Well, another, you know, couple weeks later, it stormed real bad again, ripped it out of the ground again, and we're like, you know what, forget it. We're just not going to do this anymore. <laughs> so it was bad. I mean, it, you know, and you're like, when, when you're like, when you build something, you invest so much time into it that you, it, it kind of hurts a little bit when it fails, right? Because you're like, you know what? I spent like $80 on tarps for this thing. And I took all that time cutting wood and making these beams and digging this hole and whatever and for it to just blow away, you know? I mean, we divided up the tarps and kept them or whatever, but it still, it kind of hurt a little bit, you know? You're like, well, I thought we were doing a good job, but it didn't, you know, it didn't really pan out, unfortunately. So I want to... I want to direct your attention back to the scripture we talked about, we read in the beginning. There were two guys building a house. One guy seemed like he had some kind of understanding of what he was supposed to do. The Bible says he built on a rock, which if you're going to build a house, you better have a good foundation because if you don't, that house is gone. It's not going to last. So this guy, he built his house on a rock. He didn't use tarps for walls because that doesn't work. But um, he actually demonstrated uh, the three points that we talked about just a minute ago. He had understanding, like he knew you build a house on a rock. He had, I, I'm pretty sure the way it describes him that he had some kind of experience at least, at least being taught what to do because he demonstrated the knowledge that you build a house on a rock. And then also he made a good decision by building a house on a rock. He had knowledge, wisdom, and experience. But the other guy built his house on a sand, on sand. I, I thought really hard about this. I've never heard of anyone building a house on sand. Like, any, I mean, there are beach houses, but I don't think they're built directly on the sand. Usually it's beams that go down and they're kind of lifted up off the sand. But I, you know, I, I just, I thought, how dumb is that? <laughs> I don't, I'm just real, okay? I thought that was really dumb because uh, has anybody stood out on a beach, like right out where the tide comes in and you just stood there and then you start sinking like two inches and you look down and your feet are covered? I mean, that's what happens when sand gets wet and when something moves it around, it shifts, it, it, it changes, it, it settles, it, you know, it's not stable at all. So this guy who built his house on sand, the Bible says when the wind and the rain, and notice the same thing happened to both guys, okay? Same thing happened, same storm came, same wind came, whatever. So there's gonna be storms in your life, whether you're living for God or not. What matters is where you build your shelter. That's the difference maker. So this guy built his house on the sand 
and the wind came, the rain came, uh, whatever, and, and it, his house fell. And the Bible says, great was the fall of it. So let's, let's think about this for a second. What is the rock? What does the rock represent? Somebody yell it at me. What does the rock represent? Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Psalm 71 and 3 says, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort, continually live. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. The Lord is the only firm foundation you can build your life on. That's it. Everything else would be considered sand. You can't build your life on this world. It's sand. You can't build your life on what, uh, what you desire, what you want, what I want. It's sand. It's constantly moving. It's constantly shifting. Isaiah 32, 1 and 2, this is a prophecy of Jesus. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment, and a man, speaking of Jesus, shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Jesus is the hiding place. Jesus is the shelter from the storm. Jesus is our foundation. So this man who built his house on the sand had no understanding of how to build a home. And you know, when we don't understand the God that we serve, when we don't put our trust and faith in the God that we serve, we're building on sand. And the house is going to fall. There's going to be a storm. You can count on that. I don't believe in prosperity doctrine. I don't believe if you live, live for God, you're just never going to have any issues. This, this parable tells me that storms come to the, the two people, whether you live for God or not. Storms are going to come. But what are you building your house on? Where are you seeking shelter? I ask that question to myself many times because when we're just going through life and we're just, uh, just living, sometimes we go on autopilot and we start again, straying from the path a little bit, and we start trying to build our house on, on the things that we want and the things that, that, uh, that please us. And, and again, I'm not saying you can't have anything nice. I'm not saying that you can't do things that you want to do. What I'm saying is that you have to put your faith and your trust in God because when you do that, then your desires begin to match his desires. You know, the Bible says if... Uh, I, of course, I can't remember it right now, but it says, um, what's the scripture that talks about the Lord gives you the desires of your heart? What scripture is that? Psalm something. I know it's a psalm. I know that. But it talks about how the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. That's it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Roughly, right? No, that's not the right scripture, is it? Okay, what, let's, let's, let's move on. So the Bible says that the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. There's a conditional statement there. I can't remember what it is. Delight yourself in the Lord. Can you read it for us, Sister Calhoun? Perfect. Thank you. What is that scripture talking about? I, you know, I've come to find that when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord the desires that we have begin to match the desires that God has. 
That's why he says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. God don't answer sinful desires. God will not give you a, you know, something in your heart that is harmful to you. God, you know, he knows best. He's our, he's our father. But when we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord, not just one day, but every day, and we begin to build our house on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then our desires evolve. They change. They're no longer fleshly. They're no longer selfish, but their desires, Lord, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want to do what you want me to do. Then God gives you the desires of your heart. But you have to build the house on the rock. You know, it, just as exposure to the elements is the, one of the number one causes of, of death, because when you're exposed and you don't have shelter, when you're hiking, you get stuck in the rain, you get hypothermia. If you're, you know, walking in wet conditions and you don't have a place where you can, you know, reside and, and take your shoes off and dry off and whatever, if you do not have shelter, you can get hypothermia, you can get a trench foot, all kinds of infections, sickness, whatever. You have to have shelter. But just as exposure to the elements can harm our body physically, exposure to the spiritual elements without the shelter that is Jesus Christ will harm you spiritually. Because we, we have to, we, again, we have to have knowledge, we have to have common sense, and we have to have experience with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You know what another translation says? I'm going to paraphrase it. But it says, when you hang out with bad people, it will corrupt your good nature. That's what this scripture is getting at. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. You have to have knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So there is... This is where knowledge, experience, and common sense come into our spiritual life. Just like that, uh, that quote that I read to you, where most of the deaths that happen outdoors are lack of knowledge, lack of experience, and poor decisions, that same applies to our spirit. We have to be a disciple of the word in order to know that the Lord is our shelter. Proverbs 20 and 15 Gold there is, and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Not too many people know. There are not too many people speak with knowledge. I mean, you look at any kind of social media facet, any kind of news network, whatever, there ain't a whole lot of people speaking wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs 18.15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. For the ears of the wise seek it out. It is wise to gain knowledge and understanding. That is a wise thing to do, especially spiritually. Because when you don't seek out knowledge in this word, in this book right here, how will we know how to live? How will we know what pleases God? That, that probably spoke to me the most. Not everybody has a good relationship with their dad. I get that. But think about one of your parents as a kid. When their birthday comes around or special occasion or whatever, you want to get the perfect gift that pleases them, right? We should have that same mentality towards God, which is why we have to study the word to know what pleases him. 
so we can live right, so we can hear him say when we get to, uh, when we get to the end of our life, we can hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I want to hear that. I don't want to hear the alternative. So I need to study the word so that I know what's important to God, so that I know what pleases him. But we also have to have a supernatural experience with Jesus. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without an experience like that with Jesus Christ, the, to speak it plainly, I mean, Jesus even said, you gotta be born again in order to see the kingdom of heaven. So we have to have experience with him. And then also, um, Romans 4, uh, 6 and 7, I'm just making sure I'm in the right place because I, you know, I get scatterbrained. Romans 4, 6 and 7, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. Uh, God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You have to have an experience with God in order for sins to be covered. We also have to have common sense. I mean, who, who still believes in common sense? <laughs> we all should. Who's met people who have no common sense? Okay, I have two. I know a lot of you didn't want to raise your hand, but because it might be the person next to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm serious. First Peter 1, 13 and 16, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. You got to study the Bible, hands down. You have to study the word in order to have common sense when it comes to scripture, when it comes to living right. We have to be able to say, you know what? The Bible says I don't need to do that. The Bible says I need to do this. We have to be able to do that, which we talked about that in our spirit life class this morning about hiding the word in our heart so that we might not sin against the Lord. We have to study in order to know how to live right. Lack of knowledge, lack of experience, and poor decisions will always lead to a spiritual death. Always. But can I encourage you that the Lord is our shelter? The Lord is the shelter that we have to seek. Not just one time, but on a daily basis. I didn't give these scriptures to, to the media team because I just wanted to run through them real quick. Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. There is safety in the name of Jesus. There is safety in our Lord. Psalm 61 and 3, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Psalm 46 and 1, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Al Alamoth, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. There's a... Uh, a couple more scriptures, Psalm 18 and 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 59, 16 and 17. But I will sing of thy power. 
I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and my refuge. I don't know if you guys are getting excited, but I get excited when I hear scripture like this because what it tells me is that I can walk through this world and nothing will harm me if I allow Jesus to be my strong tower. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. God is my defense. You know what's amazing about a strong tower? Is that it's a place of refuge. Everybody, does everybody know what refuge is? Refuge is a, a place that you go to where you're seeking safety. You know, we fight spiritual attacks, right? We do. We're talking about spiritual warfare in, in life, in uh, uh, spirit life class. I'm sorry. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about the armor of God, which is such a powerful tool. It's God allowing us to, to use uh, the characteristics of Christian living in order to overcome the enemy, in order to stand firm. That's what it actually says. When you've done all to stand, stand, therefore, in the strength that's in the armor of God. But really what we're doing is putting on Jesus. We're putting on the characteristics that he, that he, ex, that, that he shows, righteousness, salvation, um, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. You know, we're using all these characteristics in order to stand firm. But you know, there are times where even though we're standing as firm as we can, having the armor of God on, there are times where the enemy will still try to make you feel outnumbered, where he'll try and make you feel like you don't have the strategic ground. He'll try and make you feel like whatever, like you're going to lose. Has anybody been there before? I hope so, because I've been there. I've been in places in my life where it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it looks like I'm going to lose. It looks like I'm going to fail, whatever. But can I still tell you that the Lord is your defense? That in him, there's a place of refuge, when we feel threatened, when we feel hurt, when, we're, when we feel injured, you can go to the Lord and he will give you sanctuary. You know, there's not a whole lot of safe places in this world anymore. There's not a whole lot of safety in this world. So I put my stock in what the Bible says that the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. There was a song that Sister Carla and I were talking about today. Um, if you didn't know, I use a lot of real life stuff because I, I try and bridge, bridge the gap here. But there was a song um, that I mentioned to Sister Carla. We were both singing it, you know, kind of funnily this morning, or funny, in a funny way. Funnily. Wow, that's a new word. Throw it in the dictionary. Is it, is it a word? Oh, I get extra points because I didn't know it was a word and I use it correctly. So, <laughs> so. We were talking about old songs that we used to sing in church. One of my favorites when I was really little was the Lord is my refuge and strength, my refuge in time of trouble, trouble. God is my refuge and strength, or God is my, you know. And then the, the bridge says, or the, the chorus says, he will hide me under the rock, 
under the rock, under the rock. He will hide me under the rock. I used to love that song. And I would try and sing the trouble, you know, part of that, that verse or whatever as deep as I could. So I'm like a little kid sitting on the, the pew. And my grandma used to tell me this all the time that I would, we'd be singing that. And I'd say, you know, saving the time of trouble, trouble. Like just, I don't know why I did it, but I did. But that was my favorite song. And I was, this morning when I woke up, that song was on my heart. You know, I, there are just times where we go through just craziness of life. And it's a blessing to know that there's safety in the Lord that we serve, that he's not just, God doesn't just wait for you to mess up so he can wipe you out. That's not the kind of God we serve. We serve a God of safety. He's a person that we can go to when we're going through the thick of it, when we're, you know, in the midst of whatever, and we can say, God, I, I, you know, I'm struggling with this. I don't feel safe, whatever. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will move in your life, move into your heart and your mind and tell you it's going to be okay if you keep your eyes on Jesus. It's going to be okay. So I just want you to understand something. This world is not a safe place to be in by yourself. This world is not safe. Wickedness and evil just run rampant. I mean, look at, look at the news. You see death, destruction, chaos all the time, all over the world. Here, you know, in the Middle East, in Russia, and, you know, wherever, Africa, it doesn't matter. There's chaos going just all over the place, and it, it will unsettle you. It will make you feel like you're out of control, that, that there's, there's you know, nothing we can do to make this work, that, that you know, it's, it, life is bad. And there will be storms. There will be winds. There will be rain. That's a fact of life. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. But we cannot endure this life without shelter. Isaiah 59, 19 and 20 says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him and the redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. When the enemy, when you feel like the enemy is coming after you, when it seems like all the options of escape are gone, when it seems like there is no way to avoid this kind of conflict, and when it comes, I'm going to be wiped out. When you feel that way, trust in the Lord because he will raise up a standard against the enemy. And you know what's amazing about that? When he raises up a standard, he's creating a safe place for you. Psalm 23, when you go down a little bit more, and it talks about when the Lord prepares a table in the midst of my enemies, that's, a, that's always been very interesting to me. But what I see from that, at least for the, for the purposes of, of this message, is that the Lord will still create a safe place even when there's trouble all around. I think it's even prophesied about in Revelation during the Great Tribulation when, when uh, I'll just tell you this, I, I believe that we're going to heaven before the, before the Tribulation, okay? That's what I believe. That's what I believe the Bible says, okay? 
If you disagree with me, that's fine, okay? But I, I just want to tell you, there are prophecies in Revelation, and this, this amazes me, is that when the... I got to be careful because I don't want to just bust on anybody's theology. So when we're gone, when the church is gone, the children of Israel, the way I understand it, the children of Israel will still be here, okay? Because the Bible talks about the 144,000 that are sealed that have to go through the tribulation, all that stuff. That's a, that's a Bible study for another time, so I'm not going to get real deep in that. But there's, there's prophecies of even when that is going on, how the Lord will provide in the wilderness, for the children of Israel or for whoever's going through the tribulation, the Lord will provide. What that tells me is that that is part of God's character to provide safety to us. That tells me that while we're still here waiting on the rapture and waiting for the Lord to come back, he is gonna provide safety for us. God is our shelter. What time is it? Jeez, 12.30. I went longer than I thought I was going to go. I want to close with this. We could all stand. I want to read to you a psalm. Is that okay? Can I read a whole chapter? It's only 16 verses. Can I read it? It's a psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms, actually. Psalm 91. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I always read King James, so this is going to be an adventure for me. No, I, I, I picked the New Living Translation because it's a little bit less confusing, but it still gets the same point across. Starting in verse one, those who live in the shelter of the most high God will find rest in the shadow of the almighty. This I declare about the Lord. That he alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, and though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High God your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. That is the God that we serve. That is a God of safety. That is a God of security. The Lord is our shelter. When you make, just as the scripture says, if you make the Lord your refuge, you have nothing to worry about. 
He is a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a place of refuge or safety. There's a reason why we call this room right here a sanctuary. Because it is a place where we can come after a week that's just beating us down and, and you know, you feel like you got your teeth kicked in. This is a place where you can come where the presence of God is here, where there's safety, there's security here, where you can come to this altar and lay it all down for Jesus and he will take care of it. But this shouldn't be the only sanctuary in our life. If you have to make a sanctuary every day with Jesus, we can't go through life we can't survive if we're just depending on Sunday service to keep us that's that doesn't work you have to have a sanctuary every day you have to have an altar in your life that you can go to on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday you have to have a place of safety where you can seek the face of God when you're not at church you know I, I heard a, a preacher say this one time the devil don't, don't care if you come to church. The devil gets scared when you live for God when you leave church. The devil gets scared when you live for God on Monday, when you live for God on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is not the only sanctuary. I just want to encourage you that anytime you get in the presence of the, of the Lord, he's building a safe place for you where you can unload the stresses of life, where you can unload the grief, the sadness, whatever you're, the depression, whatever you're dealing with. You can give it to God because God can handle it. We can't handle that kind of stuff on our own. God can. So I just want to encourage you that the Lord will keep you safe on this journey if you build your house on the rock if you seek shelter in the rock, the Lord will always keep you safe. Could we just bow our heads? And, and I wonder, I, I believe it would be appropriate if, if we all came forth as a, as a family and, and we just, whatever you're struggling with, whatever situations in your life, I don't know. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're struggling with, if anything. But I think it would be appropriate if we came down to this altar and we just gave it to God today. And we just allow God to create a sanctuary in our life. We allow God to create an altar or we build an altar in our life. We consecrate our life so the Lord can build a safe place. The Lord is the only thing that we can put our trust in. The Lord is the only thing that we can look to in times of trouble. The Lord is the only person who can take care of the depression, take care of the anxiety, take care of the sickness, whatever. That's what God can do. So I just wanna encourage you one more time. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding as Proverbs 3 and 5 says and just give it all to him today in Jesus name.